All right, we have to read the. Uh, uh, I know we have to. It's an official Mammonberg press release. Uh, commentary upon the actions of one Chris Evans. This is the official Mammonberg statement. Uh, we are disappointed. We are hurt at Chris Evans. Okay. <laughs> and then <laughs> the official statement is as follows Chris Evans, as a 30 year old. <laughs> as a 30 year old I've basically grown up on your work from the hot jock to Captain America to Lloyd Hansen it's been a pleasure seeing your career grow and transform but beyond this what makes you stand out from the crowd you've been the most real and genuine person I've watched in Hollywood your humility your love for your family, friends, and Dodger. I, I guess that's his dog. Um, your sense of responsibility to use your voice for good. And so much more. I truly admire how you've never deviated from your narrative over your 20-plus years in the industry. So when you speak, we listen. We believe in it. We believe in you. That's right. That's right. This is why your fandom loves you and why we are so loyal up until now. <laughs> this past week, it's like we won the lottery when you finally got the title of Sexiest Man Alive. <laughs> it was a victory for all of us that day. Victory. <laughs> finally. As long as I waited for it, I actually felt glad that you only received it now because I believe you are at your best right now. <laughs> and finally, you are being recognized. I was so saddened when this pride lasted all two days. Oh, what happened? Uh, <clears throat> I have to start by clearing this up. Your fandom is not upset because you're in a relationship. Rather... <laughs> How the fuck did I know that this is exactly where it was going to go? Oh my god almighty, help. Uh, rather, it was the reveal of your relationship that made us feel betrayed by you. We mm -hmm. feel b betrayed by the Chris you, le you led us to believe is you. Yeah. As a human being, I fully believe that you deserve your privacy and you will obviously only share what you feel comfortable with. During, during the T TGM press tour, TGM, what was that? The Gray Man? Was that? Okay. Whatever. I think it's Something the Gray like Man, that. yeah. 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 Doesn't were... matter. I'm so betrayed that, you know, I can't even <laughs> I know. This is like shocking. This is shocking news. You were asked a question that had nothing to do with your romantic life. You, however, chose to answer with regards to your romantic life. I'm you volunteered so right this now. information. Yes, you didn't explicitly say you were single, but you sure did imply it. <laughs> During your people interview, you once again implied you were single. The publication even reported that you were. Realistically speaking, this should have no bearing on bearing on our lives as fans. Yeah, it shouldn't. <laughs> Understatement. Uh, <laughs> it should not have any bearing on anything. It has nothing to do with you at it all. It has nothing to do with you. Uh, 
However, as your loyal fandom, <laughs> when you speak, we listen. We believe in it. We believe in you. The sense mm-hmm. of betrayal mm-hmm. is not because you are in a relationship. It is the rude awakening that our that belief... Lot. Yeah, I mean, like, they gotta emphasize that it's definitely not. It's because no, it's yo, you can date whoever you want, as long as it's me specifically. <laughs> <laughs> it is the rude awakening that our belief mm-hmm. in you is based rude on nothing awakening. but lies. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, is it's based, based on, on nothing, nothing but lies that you've been selling us. Okay, he sits on it. Chris Evans sits on a throne of lies. Lies. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Chris Evans sits on a throne of lies. Uh, ma- this is this is coming to you live at Mammonburg. Um, mm-hmm. If you could volunteer up lies about something so trivial, what about you is actual real? Actual real. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like a kid finding out Santa isn't real. This- Except you're 30 years old! That's the difference! He's not Captain America. Also, I just also, found out. I would also you're like to adult. inform... I would also like to inform everyone that generally... Now, this may not be the case for this person, but you don't want to fuck Santa Claus, is the thing. Uh, yeah. Well... Well, you know... Speak, speak for yourself. We don't, judge, <laughs> we don't judge King Son Mammonberg. Uh, oh, oh the, says, the per, says, says Finch. Okay. I'm fine with your tomboy. Uh, I'm <laughs> your tomboy thing. Okay. Um, hmm. This may come across as completely dramatic to most, but it I hope does. you realized how influential you have been uh, in our lives. He's uh, just acted in movies. <laughs> he was Captain America. He was the country. You don't understand. He was the country. Okay. You've he- you hear it. You've heard it here first, folks, on Mammonberg. Uh, all he's done is like acting in movies and not been an asshole. Is that the litmus? Yeah, that's. that's like... I mean, <laughs> to be fair, that is a lot more than a lot of people. Okay, yeah, true. true. Maybe there's. I was a point gonna there. say, yeah, it's it's like it's like being a director in Hollywood, and you can like make your name by like not being a sex pest. That's like yeah. your like special cool thing, you know. Like yeah. you know, you made some I mediocre mean, movies, profit. but man, at least at least you haven't like <laughs> like cause an incident that's yeah. Yeah, that's nice i mean at least you're not a child molester right yeah uh, yeah basically oh my god the bar it's so low holy shit <laughs> yeah it okay it fucking rocks being a man in 2022 let me tell you the bar is on the fucking it's ground. so low it's so i low. love it oh man i've just like taken a shower before and i'm just like skipping above the bar it's awesome <laughs> Your relationship is really not our business. I personally know nothing of Alba, and will never know the dynamics of your relationship. A side note: an average forty-year-old. Oh my God! Is he, oh, they, yeah. are they really hey, doing hey, this? Hey, you ready for you ready for some age gap discourse? Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, so many plot twists. Yeah. Fitch, this, are you trying to kill me? Bitch, if you're yeah. trying to kill me, there are quicker and less painful ways of doing it. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is average... the like this is like the internet's Abu Ghraib that we're doing right now. To <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me finish. An average forty-year-old, fuck. Average 41 An average forty-one-year-old man uh, looking to settle, start a family, and live a quiet life at home will most probably not do it with a twenty-five-year-old woman at the start of her career. <laughs> It's just an indication 
that how you've unfortunately contradicted yourself. I could go on, but I'm going to leave it here. What, what you've the fuck gone does on, that mean? <laughs> You have yeah, that... gone on so long. Yeah. Just <laughs> At the end of your ten, he's gonna leave it there. Ten thousand words. I'm gonna keep going a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, she's just broadcasting that out to the universe. Uh, if I ever uh, date forty year old, forty one year old Chris Evans, please do not stop me. Please do not. DM I am going me. to write this letter to you. <laughs> <laughs> about why I of loved you and why we're so loyal until now. The Mammonberg community. Uh, call out posts about the problematic age gap. All right. Okay. Fair. My only hope is that this message will somehow reach you and that you will understand the impact you have on the lives of your fans. <laughs> what and how you have hurt so many of us. By Although I'm sure you will. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Sh- although I'm sure you will choose to only see the parts that support you. No, I now I fucking love imagining. Just like Chris Evans reads this and he's like, "Okay, look, Alba, I'm sorry. It's over. The yeah, internet's we mad at me. <laughs> my, my, fandom, my fandom is mad at me for being in a relationship." Well, everybody. I'd like to point out that that uh, the goat Ken Clippenstein uh, below this says, really sorry about all that. Anyway, please subscribe to my free newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> I love the reply to that where it says, how are you everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> He's hustling. He's hustling and grinding yeah. like, like uh, what any, any of us should be doing right now. Well, this was brought, this was brought to you all from at team Evans underscore 13. Um, probably one of the greatest thinkers of our time. Um, can I, can I read you the, uh, what is in the, the, the profile? Yes. Yeah. Just saying what everyone else is thinking. I don't think that's true. No, Largely that's misunderstood. not true. <laughs> that's I also think that's not true, <laughs> but unbelievably grateful for all of the support, uh, for all the supportive message, uh, supportive messages received, the pin tweet it, is: "I'm so grateful for all the lovely people who have reached out with such supportive messages in this difficult time. It's so comforting to meet so many like-minded fans. Thanks for all of the love." This is <sighs> such a good troll. This is such a good troll. Well, oh my god! I hope it's real. I hope this is someone <laughs> who really feels this way. And it's yes. not like like an attraction thing. It's just someone who's just a really big fan of their work and has been shattered. By <laughs> like everything right. about this is genuine. I I think it is. <laughs> and on this wonderful note, everybody, welcome to Mammonberg. Well, it's over and uh, this is uh, Sheikha Al-Finchawi, uh, known as Finch, uh, coming to you live at Mammonberg, and I am joined today by my co-host, Jackal. Hello, everybody. I'm Ben Gossett. How how are you doing today? Hi Ben Carson. Hi Ben Carson. Hi Ben Carson. <laughs> uh, I'm also joined by uh, <laughs> Josiah. Yeah, uh, I'm not Ben Carson. 
<laughs> Thank you. Man, not what a show. Person. Yeah, what a show we're doing. This is great. Yeah. And we are also joined today uh, by Sergio. Hello. I'm also not Ben Carson. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I would just like to thank you for your support through this difficult time. I have never support. I am not supporting you. Don't you dare fucking do this to me. We're just gonna talk about the pyramids all day. Mr. Carson, is there something you want to uh, tell us about uh, Josiah W. Sutton and oh, his involvement? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have just the best, the best memories of Mr. Sutton. That's the best. Uh, it's just the best. He agreed. He's what we, we talked about the pyramids and Joseph. It was oh, so lovely. <laughs> this did not happen. This, no. <laughs> <laughs> when we talked, we, we, when we, when we talked about when, when Mr. Obama, when we talked about him being a secret Indonesian, you, so, so, like, it was true. Wonderful. I, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, ben Carson has just uh, revealed to us that uh, Josiah W. Sutton, infamous uh, DSA collaborator, believes that oh, former God. President Barack Hussein Obama is actually Indonesian. I That's true. did not say this. <laughs> this is not true. <laughs> This is, you know what? This is because this is because the whole Josiah's the CEO of Silencing Women and Minorities bit has started to get like a little, a little stale, and it started to become clear that like Phil is actually that. So now you guys are finding a new way to slander me. My haters are out here trying to find new ways to 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 discredit me. That's not true, Mister 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 Song. When we talked, we had a very lovely conversation back in the third way. Hey, you talked uh, about chandelier when I was it was head of the department of such. Oh, so much you forget. I went and then I, I true. This was this is a wonderful midterm. Truly wonderful. I, we talked about that. Uh, we we talked about how how <clears throat> Obamacare is really the worst thing that's happened to the nation since slavery. You you agreed with me. I did not do that. No, I oh, did not. My. <laughs> and you, you said that he, when I said that it was that it was a, it was in a way it was a slavery in a way. You said that's right <laughs> because it, it's making it's making all of us slavery to the government. It was never it was never about healthcare. It was about it was about control. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Mister Carson. Uh, thank you, Carson. Moving on. <laughs> Sorry, Doctor Carson. Uh, um, God, a, we have a guest I, I this episode, a, I, I and we're doing brain, this. I have a brain surgeon. <laughs> I will have you know, I have a brain surgeon. I, I did not. Uh, oh, when when I, I punched my mother in the face, and it was, it was to do this. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Forgive me, Dr. Carson. All right, moving on. We are joined today uh, by a very special guest. That's right. Uh, longtime friend of the show, Sergio. How are you That's doing today, right. Sergio? I'm good. How's everyone doing? I'm privileged to be on a podcast with Ben Carson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, so, you didn't know there'd be a surprise so guest. It is so lovely to meet to meet one of I, I so so would like to <laughs> grow my constituency <laughs> among your people. God, this is yeah, so. You, you didn't know, Sergio. Yeah, this is a. We actually were setting up a debate. That's what this is: is Sergio versus Ben Carson. Yeah. <laughs> I guess this makes this. up for not having Chris Evans also on the podcast. So we got a letter to him. That's true. Yeah. We didn't get to address him face to face about his numerous crimes, like um, like Dating. having had sex. Yeah, 
How 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 dare he? <laughs> anyway. Hi everybody. I was really wondering how long you would commit to that bit. Yeah, I, I was, you know, was just the whole going, episode. But... Yeah. Uh <clears throat> I've been waiting to do that, so Yeah. He he has been, he's been sitting on it. <laughs> um Alrighty. What I am saying, and I, to me, it doesn't sound like a complex statement at all. I said the people in Nazi Germany did not, most of them, believe in what Hitler was doing. But instead of protesting, instead of registering their displeasure, they simply decided to go along to get along. That is a very dangerous thing and, to do. and I was using that as an example of how dangerous that can be and I'm making a point to the American people that if in fact you feel differently about what's going on you should not be shut up you need to talk no about one it. is being shut up in America what did you read the book I have not read the book no I rest my case why <laughs> you don't why even you know what the book is about did you ever hear the, 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 the phrase that you can't judge a book by its cover do you know why people well, say that? Maybe because you need to read the book. All right, uh, Sergio. Yes. What are your thoughts on the statement that you can find a lot of religion in horror? Um, I mean, I think it's true. I mean, like, I guess, I guess, like, it depends on what you mean by that. I mean, I think some people would talk about like just the fear aspect, but beyond that, I think it's the idea of uh, there are things bigger than yourself, and I think horror intrinsically points to that. You know. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that there's uh, kind of a lot of the same themes that are in horror that you can kind of find in in religion? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, like, like I said, like, I think there's a lot of um. I think that's like basically what religion kind of tries to remind us is that there still are like things, you know, or horror rather, like there still are things out there that are harmful that like you simply just can't rationalize away. I mean, horror, horror, it by intrinsically exists beyond the rational. I think so. Like, I think that's what makes it kind of um notable especially in like you know an era like now where um where we kind of do have either extreme rationalization or extreme irrationalization i guess absolutely i i think that horror and religion uh in certain ways both also kind of talk or discuss you know with the average joe about like um our our natural fear of the unknown right yeah. so Religion kind of gives us sort of like a way to sort of rationalize our th- fear of the unknown, but also remind us, reminds us, as you said, that there are just things we can't explain away. But horror itself does it, it very much. That is what it is basically. It plays yeah. on our fear of the unknown, uh, and so of course you're going to see a lot of those two sort of uh, I shouldn't say genres, but two sort of subjects intersect. Yeah, I think a lot. Um... It also just reminds us of our flaws, and I think that's something that um, I don't want to say that's not that's done too much, but um, I think it's like important to recognize that, like you know, like pride and some like what we consider traditional like follies of human sin um, in horror are like emphasized almost as a component of people. Uh, I mean, like Sergio, you and I are both Catholics, and um, you know, uh, Catholicism and horror very big genre, very big intersecting yeah. Genre, yeah. genre. Yeah. Um, not even just Midnight Mass, like we discussed previously on the show, but like, <laughs> why are you giggling about that? <laughs> I, 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 we need to start, I need to make a swear jar, except it's 
uh, a midnight mass. Yeah, midnight mass. Every time that yeah. Finch talks about midnight mass. Listen, it that show broke my. But I, that's what I'm getting to the point. My my point is, it's not just that. It's you know, you got the Exorcist, you got the Omen, you got um. Right, right. Yeah, you know, you're a uh, European and Latin American horror. Uh, yeah. you know, one of my favorite horror series that Sergio actually introduced me to, Thirty Coins, which I loved. I still need yeah. to see that. Very yeah, heavy, about heavy that. Catholic yeah. themes. It, it was it was just so good. <laughs> It was so good. It was so it's creative. It's so over the top and crazy, too. And I love yeah, it. it was great. Well, I, I'm kind of interested. Why Why is it that Catholicism attracts um, horror, like, just aesthetically in a way that, like, like, there's exceptions to this, but, like, Protestantism doesn't do it as much. Like, I could think of, like, The Witch is, like, one of the only Protestant horror movies I can think of. But, like, I don't know. There is is there something about the, the, the exorcism of... What was that movie called? The Exorcism of Deborah Morgan, I think. Uh oh oh wait wait wait. I... Emily Rose, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. That yeah, is yeah, explicitly yeah. a uh, a Protestant no, exorcism. Protestant. Yeah, but I mean, I guess like my default answer, but this is the cheating answer, and you guys should push back. But um, I, I think that Catholicism has a more enchanted worldview necessarily, as like Protestantism is less that way. That's kind of like the normie answer, you know. Some more uh, sacramental worldview kind of built into uh, uh, Catholicism. In a way, Protestantism is always kind of like in a demythologizing quest. And so I, I want to quickly amend that it was not the exorcism of, of Emily Rose, that it was the last exorcism. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. I, see. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess I, I, I think that's part of it. I don't know if that's all of it. Um, I mean, there is like some Protestant related ones. Like I think like Wicker Man, you can kind of put into like a weird Protestant type leanings and um, different ones like that. But um, I think the reason with Catholicism, it does it very nicely almost is because of um, just like you said, the enchanted worldview, but also like I think the insignificance of self in the context of everything else. And I think that's something that, um, you know, like other religions have that, but I don't think it's quite emphasize as much i mean like the only thing we're not getting i think as much is on like jewish horror which would actually do this does similar things when you like look at like the golem and like different like stories or even like the coen brothers always like quasi horror right so i think it's there it's just um i think it's just frankly like i think it's that like just some of these um older you know the the quote-unquote older faiths tend to like emphasize man's folly and assuming he is the center of the world when it's like no you're operating in a context that's much older and bigger will continue to operate without you, you know. Also, um, I don't know, just Catholicism being more ritualized as well. Like, that was a really good point, but I think there's also, like, you know, the idea of the esoteric rituals and stuff like that. I, I'd be interested to see if there were actually, there was orthodox horror, you know, like like the, the priests in caves and stuff like that, the bone rooms. Wasn't there, there was a orthodox horror movie that someone told me about? There's got to be, like, a Russian horror movie or something like that, that, like, centers the orthodox church. Uh, ah. There is, it's a V, uh, I know I'm mispronouncing it, but V, uh, V-I-Y. Um, that's the one where a uh, priest is locked up with um, the body of a dead witch for like to like sing hymns over the body or whatever. That is so that scary. <laughs> it's a uh, it's it's a little more goofy than you would expect, though. It's the first Soviet horror movie, though. Amazing. Interesting. It's got a really a really trippy poster, by the way. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a good. It's a good time. It's not like my favorite, but it's good. It's got good. Um, what is it? I think it came out in the sixties or seventies. Um, it's got a fun like monster that shows up at the end. That's like a I don't know practical effects 
marching monster dude and stuff. It is really cool. Um, yeah, but I, I think uh, I think you're right. But I kind of was interested in the uh, the the um, the whole notion of um, the insignificance of the self in Catholicism because I think on the other hand there there is like I think you could maybe call like more cosmic horror um, yeah. kind of like a like a more Protestant thing because there's more of like a individual staring at the the i don't know the world without like any sort of ritualized order to it quite you don't really have an understanding of what's going on you know it's like almost a calvinist horror story like cosmic horror it's like there's some big divine plan and i have no fucking clue what it is you know yeah i can see that um some of that i think is framed in um well i mean some of that quite literally is framed as fear of catholicism and um you know, mm, yeah yeah universal darkness so i think like it doesn't really i don't think it's like necessarily catholic per se but it's like not opposed to it like it's like quasi related mm. almost in some ways so i find yeah, that, that kind of like sense. fascinating with a lot of it too is because um you know like like hellboy has like a lot of like catholic things but has a lot of cosmic um evil like otherworldliness in it too so it's like kind of fascinating yeah. to watch how these things exchange in a way that's never like opposed to each other you know one thing i think is interesting that i'd like to see some more horror um kind of delve into is i do think there's a really enchanted worldview in like uh the heartland and the south and stuff like that yeah of like protestant charismatic worldview that i think is really ripe for horror um and yeah. I, i've been thinking about that especially because we, we talked about this off mic but i i do want to mention it on the show uh as finch's obsession right now is midnight mass mine is the uh the exploitation director ron ormond um <laughs> <laughs> which i've been yapping about for a few days and he was like a, he's like a 60s exploitation guy and then he uh he had a come to jesus moment converted to fundamentalist evangelicalism and then worked with a pastor to make a bunch of basically exploitation films but they're like set around a sermon about like how hell's real and it's the kind of movie you'd like put on in a vhs tape in like the basement of a, a baptist church to like scare the shit out of um yeah uh, a bunch of kids yeah scare some kids straight right um and like man that's that's a very much an enchanted worldview like the the way they look at the world is is wild and it is so ripe for horror i think the witch probably gets a little closer to that but it's not charismatic as much it's more i think true detective the first season got really close to it yeah just decided to not be like um, i was gonna bring up spiritual dimension yeah like yeah no no other season other than the first one brings that up yeah the only, I think that the closest that they could have done it was the third season, which is like the, the, it's like the second best season of the show. Yeah. But that first season feels so quintessentially cosmic horror. There's something about it that it's kind of like a cosmic horror story from the perspective of someone who is going through the aftermath of the actual story. Yeah. Mm, yeah. 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 Well, it, I mean, they're like doing the, a four season, so hopefully they, that one. I hope that they they bring it back because that was something that made that first season really unique, I think. Yeah. Um, Isa Lopez, who did um, Tigers Are Not Afraid, which is an excellent horror film as well, um, is directing that season. So I'm really looking forward to that. Hmm. So Hmm. that one's set in Alaska. Yeah. Actually, that sounds good. good. Sounds very good. Uh, Another to add to the the list is uh, uh, The Wreck is kind of another really... uh, it, quarantine the movie the american remake kind of removes to this but the zombie infection in wreck that is all based around like a demonic possessed virus mm. oh interesting yeah. what is it called wreck 
as Correct. in like record. I'm I'm adding these to my letterbox watch list as we speak. It is something interesting to think that there isn't I think the witch is maybe an example of uh white Protestant horror, but there has been like a few good examples of black spirituality within the horror context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the I think with black horror in general, it's always kind of fun too because it's always kind of grounded in like both the supernatural but also the very real fear black people have lived with in America. So it's like yeah. right. so it's like like yeah. like Lovecraft Country, you know, which was written by a white guy, but the show was done, you know, by by a, a black showrunner. Jordan Peele, right? You know. Yeah. Um, and, was uh, it Jordan Misha Peele? Green? Misha yeah. Green. Yeah. Jordan Peele, right. I think right. like he per, he executive produced Misha Green show ran it. Yeah. yeah so I mean like right. that's always like a fun marriage of it or um Victor Lavelle wrote a book that like was like a reimagine or um, telling I think a Lovecraft story but like The um, Ballad you know, of like, Black Tom. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's so so good. Well, it's yeah, I do I do think that's true. It's like more grounded cuz um on my whole like Christ exploitation kick I'm on right now. I watched um uh, an early's like an early evangelical film that was in the 40s. Um that was a uh, I didn't realize until watching it that it was a, it was a full black cast uh, the the blood of Jesus. Yeah. which is not a horror movie, but it is uh it is a wildly fun um spiritual kind of like surrounded in just like spiritual imagery and stuff and it's just so much more grounded like yeah. i was noting like the difference between a lot of evangelical films i've watched and this is like one of the big scenes in the beginning is they're praying over this woman who is dead who is maybe who's dying right and in evangelical movies a lot of the 70s ones i've watched especially are like if if you pray over somebody and then they don't come back to life you'd be like well you didn't have enough faith um yeah. as like very very earnestly like a lot of the like the church ladies in in the blood of jesus are like uh, it's it will be god's will either way we're just praying because that's what you do but you know she's probably not gonna make it and that's okay yeah that that's how it happens it's a lot more like grounded and like reality in a way that like suburban white like uh based evangelical shit is always so much more like well, you know, if, if things don't work out for you, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Because, of course, they think that. Because they're they're well off. And <laughs> I think that, yeah. that you could also apply that to horror that comes from a marginalized community has more of a... And this is... You can expand this out from horror that just the worldview is a little bit more pessimistic. That mm-hmm. there's yeah. a attitude that, yeah, shit is probably going to go fucked for us, but we should still try to hope for the best. Yeah, there's I think there's also... Yeah, go like ahead. against that, no, no, no. Uh, just to finish it off, that like there's a determination against the darkness. That like shit is bad, but you still have to do something. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. I was gonna say there's also like um, less of a desire to return to the status quo. I think yes. that's like the big yes, distinction because yes. like um, you know, like in horror, it's always like shit went sideways. How do we fix it? Whereas when it's a marginalized person. Um, you know, they don't necessarily want the world to go back to what it was. So, like, the great example, I think, is, like, um, you know, incidentally, Romero's Night of the Living Dead, right, where um, the main character is black. And that almost turned to be a trick of, um, you know, a story. Like, they didn't intend for that to be, like, a social commentary or anything else like that. But, like... Um, yeah, but it just bleeds into it because it came yeah, out, like, by virtue of him right? existing there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, like, at the very end of it, he survived this zombie invasion and they shoot him. And, you know, like... like yeah. The story yeah. implies that, like, you know, like, they shot him because they thought it was a zombie. But it's also like it could easily be they saw a black guy and just shot those shot the black guy. And it's like this very it's, like dark but like amazing moment for like a movie in that era to do. It's like holy shit, um, like 
Yeah. It is yeah. so Absolutely. wild that 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 was an act to think that like that was an accident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, the film critic uh, Robin Wood makes exactly the point you're you're making, Sergio. Um, that uh, his his he had kind of like a he would distinguish um, reactionary horror from um, progressive horror. Yeah, and progressive horror by the end of the horror invading the world, it makes the state of the world before the horror showed up equally as horrific. It's like yeah. we have to go, we have to do something new, as like reactionary horror is um you know horror that that everything gets resolved at the end you know things were nice and then this thing happened yeah and although i love david cronenberg robin wood would use cronenberg as the example of a reactionary horror director yeah Yeah. um because you have this like nice suburban world or whatever and then suddenly oh the uh what is it in the brood the the damn woman goes to therapy and now she's fucking spitting weird babies everywhere and doing awful shit. You know, it's like right. that's yeah. what happens when you let your you let your woman go to therapy. You know, like that's that's kind oh of a God. read on it. Yeah. <laughs> I still like Cronenberg because I think it's like going inside of the paranoid brain of reactionaries. I think that's how you can read him. But but I, I think don't Robin think Wood's like right. I think he like really kind of like explores reaction he's like like how scorsese explores mafia like he explores the mind of a yeah. reactionary without actually being or he's clearly like treating with disdain and like weirdness in a way that yeah. like doesn't make him seem like he's necessarily the reactionary person in it like you feel reactive yeah. for watching him and he's also no, I, I yeah, think exactly. catholic i believe or he has uh, a I, big catholic influence i forgot uh, I, he, he a, I remember that he he said he's an atheist but that he has a I think yeah. it's that he wishes he could believe that he's very okay. fascinated by yeah uh, yeah that he he always seems to put uh okay here we go yeah that he yeah I, I found it the out. role of atheism that uh, he stated I'm interested in saying uh, existential yeah that he finds it interesting and that he thinks that there's it's something that you have to when you're making a story that people are a lot of people are religious if you're going to have a character who's religious it's something that you have to reckon with in that narrative. Yeah, and that he's interested mm. by it, but that he himself doesn't. He, it's like he he's fascinated by by belief, yeah. but doesn't believe himself. Which again is like the I think the sympathetic reactionary point of view. So it's kind of fascinating to watch him move. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I have a question for you guys. <laughs> What's that? Uh-huh. Uh, what do you think constitutes a horror film? Because I, I I was thinking the other day, and I haven't finished <sighs> Man, this movie. I, oh. This is a hard question. Yeah, but, but it like, depends on no, the no, kind of horror movie. Yeah, okay, but let me finish my question. Um, because I was, I have not been able to finish this film because it has been so hard to get through. Uh, but the newest um, adaptation of All Quiet on the Western Front is something mm-hmm. I consider to be a horror movie. Okay, uh, just those first shots of there, there. Um, and this is spo- minor spoilers. Uh, first shots, there is a young soldier who is fighting in the trenches, right? And he's doing brutal... And he, he gets up over the trenches and he's going into no man's land and they do... And it just... he's uh, He gets his axe out and he's seeing all his buddies like dying around him. And... He sees this. Uh, he sees the the enemy soldier. I believe it's a Frenchman, and he is a he. He raises his axe, and you can you know he is about to engage in this brutal hand to hand combat. But as soon as he does that, cuts to black and title sequence. Yeah. And then yeah. the very next shot is him dead on the ground, and some uh, the soldiers who who survived ripping his uniform off of him. 
yeah. to dispose of his body. And then the next shot is seeing that uniform being fixed, being cleaned, being getting getting ready for the next uh, soldier Amazing. who's going to go into war. And that's when we see Paul. And I, as I said, I haven't been able to finish it yet, but I, I found that so horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, you know, we see this young man who's basically thrown into a meat grinder and th- there is so little value the state puts on his life that the only thing that they can bring home of him is that uniform. I, I find that to be, a- I consider that to be yeah. a horror movie. Well, I-, I think that's, that's the thing is what's the difference between horror and shock cinema, I think is like a good question here yeah. because um, like, you know, like, okay, the, the giallo genre, like in, 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 in Italy, has a huge influence on horror. But I have a hard time like when I'm watching those like pure giallos, like classifying them as horror. So they're not really that, horror. Like, they're within murder the context mysteries. of what they were made, I think that they were made to be horror like the context of the time that they were made, I think that that's what they were they were a more horror centric telling of a mystery story. Yeah, they're they're like they're definitely shock. Like, like it's a noir except for, you know, the murderer is like a really graphic beheading or something like that. But like But it it goes Is that also, horror? I don't know. It would you consider come and see a horror movie? That was exactly what I was about to ask. Cause I don't think I do, but like I mean, yeah, if you want to talk about an upsetting <laughs> a movie with movie. plenty of horror in it. Yeah, certainly. yeah, absolutely. Um, playing with surreal imagery and stuff like that too. Um, I mean, I think you can. I don't, I, I don't know. This is like my hot take, but I think you could certainly um, classify certain types of war movies as horror. Just you know, man is the mm-hmm. real monster I and mean, all that. They were considered horror. Like All Quiet on the Western Front was considered like almost like a horror story. Like when it came out, because it was like right. supposed to like shock and terrify people about war. So I think like I mean this is kind of where I think horror gets kind of an interesting points because cerebrally it's horrifying, right? Like because you're you're understanding the implication, the full weight of it all. Um, you know, like the same sequence could have been in like if it was shot a bit differently or cut a bit differently, could have been like in an action film, and we could have had a very different reaction towards it. You know, with mm-hmm. a fight and like a brutal battle, whatever. Um, so I don't know, like like I don't really I think horror I think kind of by its nature kind of escapes definitions almost too because there's like yeah. horror comedy and there's like you know cerebral horror there's like jump scares or gore and like you know like there's like subgenre horror is only defined by its subgenres rather than like its um actual you know self yeah because I, I was gonna say maybe there's there's I think a tendency to mistake well maybe not mistake but like blur horror and like gothic um because a lot of like what we think of as like the classic horror stuff like like Frankenstein or Dracula, especially in like the early universal horrors, like those are those are all like specifically gothic horror. Yeah. And so I think that's a tendency. And so then like when we start getting into the world of like can a murder mystery be a horror thing, that's like a lot harder to parse yeah. out because we, we're like, well where's the where's the monster? Yeah. But yeah. I but it is shocking and horrifying. Horror has to have the consistent tone throughout it versus something that has particularly shocking or terrifying parts of it. Like think about like saving private Ryan, like the, the beach landing, Normandy landing mm-hmm. that for many people, that was an, That's... I remember as a, as a kid watching. Yeah. That. Yeah. It's yeah. horrifying watching all of these yeah. teenagers getting cut down. Yeah. There's a story of like the veterans having to walk out of the theater during that scene when it came on. But the rest of the when movie was... isn't, doesn't have that, that like during the, even during, 
battles, it never gets to that tone again. Versus yeah. something like, uh, I don't know, would you, would you consider like Apocalypse Now a horror movie? Oh. I would definitely see the case for it being in that genre. Because again, like it's cerebral horror. But um, you know, when you see something like Evil Dead 2, which kind of doesn't have a consistent tone, it's, that's, that's where I'm like pushing a little on this. You know, but it's like fascinating because Evil Dead 2 I would consider horror. But Army of Darkness, I would not, even though, you know. Mm, oh, yeah. Like, I, okay. yeah. I think Army, Army of Darkness is a fantasy movie. Yeah, it's a fantasy comedy that dabbles in horror versus Evil Dead 2 is probably a straight horror film that is a comedy still. Yeah. Well, yeah, the first Evil Dead, I think, is just that. That's a, a grindhouse horror movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I, I don't. That's a, that's a really interesting question because I think that there's. And then you get into the question of, well, thrillers, like, do we count? I would say a lot of thrillers that term you could apply that a lot of these are just horror movies that don't want to have the term horror movie attached to them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean that comes back to giallo yeah that's kind of the same thing why do you think that like horror gets such a bad rap with like awards people um like i think because it got to be it was associated with more like exploitation movies in like the 70s and stuff think, like that i think right. it's always been kind of associated with lowbrow like with Penny Dreadfuls and um, you know, like like you know, like little yeah. shock tabloid type of Jack the Ripper and like murders and stuff. So I think it's always kind of been seen as a lowbrow thing, which kind of makes mm-hmm. it in some ways an advantage because it kind of makes it easier entry point for everyone. So because I mean, like even yeah. if you don't know why something is terrifying, you know it's terrifying when you watch on a film, you know, because it's like a visceral thing. Even if right. it's like a cerebral horror film and you're not like fully aware of why that's scary, right? So like Babadook, like you know, everyone knew it was a horror film, but people, a lot of people. Don't necessarily jump into like the deeper meanings of it. Yeah, yeah. Or like when Get Out uh, at at uh, at the Oscars, they called that a thriller. That is very yeah. clearly a horror movie. Like, yeah, it's supposed to be a horror right. movie. Yeah. And you know, when Jordan Peele talks about his movies, he talks about them as horror movies. But a ton of people will will try to find some way to obfuscate because they want to elevate it as being some kind of that horror denotes low art. That it is, it's yeah. more base yeah. entertainment. Yeah. Well, and I, I actually really respect Jordan Peele for this too. That he's pretty adamant about it being horror, and that he doesn't try to like, you know, because of the kind of prestige that's been attached to him, it's it would be easy for him to kind of be like, oh, I'm like the art, the artsy horror, you know. But he doesn't do that. Because I remember somebody saying he was the greatest horror director of all time on Twitter, yeah. and oh, he yeah. himself <laughs> was like, oh, I'm no John Carpenter. Like he's very like trying to like. He's so like, right. I, like, sir, thank you, but I I don't accept any jo- any John Carpenter carpenter slander here i mean yeah, yeah yeah him and like guillermo del toro have really like elevated horror while still kind of like keeping it very much in touch with like what the genre is and that's like a fun mm-hmm. feeling yeah it's like yeah not to be like i mean it's gonna sound corny but you're gonna say horror horror is like the proletariat genre in some ways because it's like everyone kind of even if you don't like horror you do have kind of a favorite horror film where you do have horror moments you remember in these stories and everyone can kind of embrace and understand it even if you're not like i said like like we talked about get out like a lot of people miss some of the bigger points with it some of the people like you know didn't understand it you know so i think Which it's kind of fascinating wild. to think about that <laughs> it still got to that part of their brain where it's like oh, yeah i kind of like this yeah mm-hmm. or they thought like the girl his girlfriend was like brainwashed 
And I was like, remember that? I don't remember that controversy. Oh, my God. There was like a lot of discourse that like, oh, maybe she was brainwashed. Maybe this isn't, you know, completely. This is against her will. But the movie, the the subtext and the text make it very clear that, no, she's a willing participant within. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Of course, that that is a that's, you know, a commentary on willing participation within systemic subjugation and uh, fetishization of the black body. But like. It, it's very yeah. clear, like what the movie's saying, but for quite a number of people, considering how many people this was a discourse about, didn't get that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, <laughs> which is it's really funny to me because I feel like the text is so obvious. Like, I I don't think Jordan Peele is quite a subtle director. Um, in, no. in to his benefit. That, that's why in the I same like way, him. like that, John Carpenter is. You I mean, know, they're they're very like over the top. And so I it's think like there are I can't moments imagine. of subtlety in there though. Like, oh yeah, that's yeah. what makes it don't great. Is like he does do he does toy with like the fact that like this is what I'm gonna be subtle. And this is what I'm gonna lay it on real thick. And I think yeah. that's like what makes like like in the beginning when she doesn't want the cop to get his license, and you think, wow, what a progressive like woman. And then it's like, oh, she just didn't want him to document that the guy was out here. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's true. That's good. Yeah, okay, so there there's subtlety. I let, yeah. me, let me clarify that. But I think it's like when it comes to like get out is about racism. <laughs> yeah. It's not like subtle about that, but yet some people are still like watching it. They're like, I don't know, the family seemed nice until the slavery thing. It's like, no, they were like doing microaggressions the entire right. time. That's right. the this point. is the thing that every that every <laughs> black person has to has to deal with whenever they're invited to a white family is okay, what kind am I gonna get? Am I gonna get the uh the outright slurs or am I going to get the subtle well, they think it's subtle, but we are aware that it's not subtle yeah, remarks yeah. and questions. And yeah. Like I have there have been many times where I have gotten the you know, I would have uh not exactly the I would have voted for Obama twice, but I have gotten comments similar to that to make sure I want you to I want you to know that I am one of the good white people. I'm, I'm not know. like other whites. It's Up it's top, wild. My it doesn't. And they're like what? <laughs> <laughs> or they start well, to use a... like like the little like subabonics to try to to you know yeah. I'm hip oh, with it. Where it's like, yeah. bro, when have you heard me talk like that? <laughs> no one's talked like that since like 1994. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, the movie's so good at that though, because like, mm-hmm. I, I for like for like white audiences, like at least ones that are actually paying attention to the movie and not being like, oh, this family seems nice. Uh, I don't know. It was like a really good like. I was able to be like, okay, no, I can see how uncomfortable this is. Like, I was able to like be put in someone yeah. else's shoes, and I'm like, oh, this is this is really awful. Yeah, I, I think that that's <laughs> like, that's that's what that's it's good what at. the the great things about storytelling in general is that it makes you when done right you can put someone else in the it's the perfect form of empathy i think it puts Mm -hmm. you in the shoes of someone else and you have to experience that and see what that's like yeah um like yeah i I remember uh a little somewhere related to get out because it's about uh you know a, a black narrative but it's not a horror well horrific events happen in it but the game mafia 3 follows uh, Lincoln mm. Clay, who is a half Italian, half uh, half black member of the Black Mob. Shit goes bad. The Black Mob gets betrayed by the Italian mob, and now he's on a roaring rampage of revenge in this fictional New Orleans city that is set on the backdrop of on the eve of Martin Luther King's death. And 
Mm-hmm. The game, and there's questions about the ethics of this, but the game has that Jim Crow is a mechanic in the game. There are stores that you just can't go into, and if you do, you are immediately treated with hostility. And I remember when it came out that there were a lot of white players that were surprised that, well, you just can't go everywhere, and that you will be visibly treated differently, not just by the police in the game, but by basic NPCs for you're not supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that I yeah. think that there's there's a storytelling, all forms of storytelling, regardless of the medium that defines itself in, whether it be through prose or comics, where visual and prose are combined, or if it's through purely visual medium, like with movies, through purely audio, like with uh podcasts and audiobooks, or through this strange confluence of so many things, which is video games, I think that they're the perfect tool for empathy for making people sit in someone else's shoes and have to see what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say even, even music. Um, I think like, uh, like a lot of, a lot of rap and hip hop, if you're a white listener to it, 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 it can sometimes like put you in the, in the thought processes and stuff of someone who grows up in a rough part of town and yeah, stuff like but that. Then, then we have yeah. the, then, then, and then the problem the... is people over identify with it when the, it's to supposed say, to be like, we, we get yeah, the, yeah. the, we, we get the wigger problem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let me, let me clarify. No, um, that's, that's wanted. the downside of it is because people think now that like, it's like if I watched get out and then now I'm like, well, now I, now I understand. Now I'm also black. <laughs> the Michael Scott conundrum. Yeah, and that's that's the wrong takeaway. As like, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's like like going back to like Lovecraft Country. I think did that really well with the Sundown City. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Sundown County, mm-hmm. and like everyone knew when they're go. You know, the cop car pulls up like because it's shot like a horror shot, and um, you know, like it was funny though watching like Twitter um, the day afterwards when people were like, "Wait, I've never knew like about a Sundown Law." And I'm like, you know, it's like, whoa, you know, that that's yeah. a thing. And that's still a thing in some places, like unspoken thing, but it's like still there, <laughs> you know, and like, yeah, um, I've had that know, with, uh, just, with teachers yeah. at like at my at my college, I like teachers who just like, wait, there are still sundown towns. And yeah. I've told like, yeah, no, I have, we have to make sure that we, when yeah. me and my dad have driven cross country, we generally try to just keep two rest stops because uh stopping in some towns is not the best idea yeah i yeah, mean that makes sense yeah i'm yeah. brown enough where that's like something i don't always think about but i'm definitely like i'm not like i'm trying to be inside at a certain time of the day and I, you know like like i'm not i don't mm-hmm. go out you know I, like, I remember um, as a uh as a kid my mom didn't want me out late with a hoodie on and this was after trayvon martin died yeah, oh, but this, this, yeah. there's this sentiment of like you should not be if you're out late at night. There is a there's going to be a thing put on you by those that look at you, regardless, even regardless of like the clothing that you wear. But any clothing that you wear that will bolster that narrative that they have in their head. Mm-hmm. That yeah, yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think it's kind of fascinating, like that, like um, you know, like so even if it's not like a sundown law per se, you do kind of like invite harassment or worse if you are out late at night in some area. And I think that was kind of like, like I said, like Lovecraft Country, I thought was really kind of amazing because obviously, you know, it like did it, it said in a certain era where like it could go much worse, but it's like, this is still a thing, you know? And um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think Jordan Peele's really like, I think Get Out, even though it's not, it's not a sundown town and yeah. whatever, does have like, does do a really good job communicating like 
the subtle ways that you suddenly like if you're a minority in a sundown town you start going like "Uh oh wait a second i'm in danger even though it's like not um you know it's it's like subtle things you know that start to like hint at like "Uh oh wait a second this is this isn't a safe place to be right now um i think jordan peele's really good at like through just i don't know kind of an eerie like people making comments that feel like Lynchian at times, you just like start to like have this like, Oh God. Uh Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's very good at that. And I think that what that, what that is, and Sergio as the, the two resident non-white people on the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> have you got where like you, there are comments that make you think like, let me put my, let me like raise my, my blinders up for a sec. Let, let, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I need to be a little bit more cautious here. Yeah. Um, oh, what comments caused me to do that? Um, yeah, that there's like, there's I mean, like, comments or actions that like make you think, and I think that's something that Peel is really good at doing because I, I think that this is, if you're, if you're from a marginalized community, you're really good at picking up on the, oh, uh, like, you're more in danger than, than if you're not a part of that marginalized community. So yeah. you have to pick those things up more than if you weren't. Yeah. There's that, um. There's a jo- there's that interview where Bradley Whitford, you know, who was a dad and get out, um, said like he didn't realize he I would have voted for Obama a third time. Um, line was actually like meant to be like a joke and like signal that kind of stuff. He didn't realize like he's like, oh yeah, this is just kind of some regular liberal. And, like, you know, like, I always thought that was really funny that he like delivered a line. He just didn't get like, it. <laughs> and didn't realize till like I guess when he saw the film or later on that oh I get now with that signaling to like you know people. So I thought that was really funny. I, I want to bring up a movie that uh, I watched recently called Savage Land, which I think is kind of great in the context of this. Uh, have had any? Uh, blah, blah, cut that out. <clears throat> have any of you seen it? I have, I have not heard of it, not. but I'm looking it up. And it looks pretty cool. Yeah. It so it's a good, found yeah. footage. It's like a mockumentary found footage horror movie that's being. The presentation is of this documentary of this massacre that occurred on this border town uh, where. This entire town was just cut down in a night with only one survivor who was a an illegal immigrant. And thus, everything is put on him that somehow this one dude killed this entire town in that night. And it goes through the the narratives that are put on and the perceptions that are put on him by like the uh, the towns that are nearby that are larger and more white dominated versus here where a lot of the victims were mexican-american with the exception of this one uh pastor and his family who were there to rebuild uh, an old mission and that's Mm, where a ton of attention is put by uh, it's it's him and this other white guy who was killed at the beginning uh that he was like a a met like a a well-known member of the community from one of the other larger towns nearby that those are the people that they specifically a lot of the white individuals that are talked to in the movie talk about a lot versus other people in the movie families of the victims talk about most of the other victims of this massacre that happens and spoiler if you haven't seen it which you should it's free on youtube it's a very very good movie uh spoiler it's zombies it's a it's a fucking zombie apocalypse that's slowly occurring oh hell yeah oh wow that no one is because of the political machinations of uh, the right of the right wing in Texas towns from this particular sheriff. And it's also debated whether or not 
they know this is happening and it's too horrible that they don't want to, you know, cause mass panic. I would argue that railroading an innocent guy to die by execution for a crime that he didn't commit is a little bit worse than, hey guys, so it turns out that zombies are a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, far worse. I mean, Very tech- it feels totally believable too, though. Like, I have to say as a pessimist, yeah, like, yeah. like yeah, I can see that. Like, Greg and Gavin yeah. would so do that. Like, it, like, it's so, especially, like, this movie was made in, I think it was, like, 2015. 2015. Yeah, 2015. So we were still in the Obama era at this point, but it feels so, it fits so well into the the, the Trump era and the, you know, the, the Biden Biden era that we're in right now. Like, it, it that, again, as the pe- as a sort of the pessimist in me is like, yeah, that's because nothing's changed. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah. If anything, it's gotten but worse. I, I, I am a sucker for zombies getting um, placed in in that kind of context, though, like in um, being some sort of representative of like colonial history or whatever, because that's, you know, as I kind of I kind of go on about this a lot. That's where the the origin of of zombies is. It comes from Haitian folklore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, yeah, I love it when there's kind of um, using it back, kind of combining all the genre tropes that have built around it, but still trying to kind of like stick it back in a related context in some way to like its origin Um, It's a very different movie. But I watched um, uh, Fulci's uh, uh, Italian zombie movie. Um, Oh, boy. There's like five different names. Oh, Oh, it is. (laughs) It's a five star movie. Incredible. Amazing. Uh, It is. But yeah, it has like three different names because it was what? It was released in Italy as Zombie 2 as an unauthorized sequel to, to Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that it was it, what released in the US as Zombie Flesh Eaters, I think. Um, and then, depending on how it was released, it, there were a few other names that it was released in the US under. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, it's just, people just call it Fulci Zombie. Um but like anyway, it that's an amazing movie because it takes like Dawn of the Dead style effects and you know kind of the genre conventions by the eighties, and then uh, places it in Haiti. Well, I don't think it, they explicitly say Haiti, but in a unnamed Caribbean island that's totally Haiti. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was filmed in like Santo Domingo, so like it is it's that kind of area. Um, and and it's it's awesome because like yeah, the zombies are like they're tied to this like. The, the the history of colonialism rising up again. Is that the and one where he fights a shark? Well, one of the zombies fights a shark? Yes! Okay. Yes, yeah, the zombie yeah, 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 it. Oh, it's yeah. so what is, good. <laughs> what is just, it with you a guy and sharks? A, a guy in a suit fighting a shark. <laughs> what oh, what is it with it's you so and sharks good. right now, Josiah? I like sharks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> zombies and sharks. It's actually, uh, actually, my girlfriend's the one that's into shark movies, and that's that's how I end up watching the Meg and stuff like that. <laughs> um, I just you like Jaws, and oh yeah, I've seen the Meg. Oh yeah, dude, the Meg set looks great. A giant great white. Uh, I would love there oh, to yeah. be giant great whites. In the I would not. Yeah. That would be bad. No, but um. Zombie has like, like they, they one of the one of the moments. No, no, no. <laughs> See, because I love sharks and like you know, sorry losers not, and haters. I, I, I love sharks. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't do, like. I like sharks too, but I don't want there to be a a mega predator in the ocean. The ocean already terrifies me. I don't need there. I don't need there there to be a giant shark too. Well, maybe they're nice. Like killer whales are like the top predators, but they're very curious of people Finch, in the wild. Finch shark sharks when they are curious bite. 
That's their thing for curiosity. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm screwing with you. Sharks aren't uh, actually as dangerous and la di da da That's that's yeah, they're, they're my not, brother that's coming like, the out. Key thing, the key thing is when they're curious, are they going to eat you? No, because they don't want to. But when well, they're curious, only, that's their signal. They bite. Well, that's only like only that's only species of sharks that can like explicitly go after uh, explicitly go after mammals. Because like you know, sand tigers they they can't they can't eat people. Their mouths are literally too small, and their teeth aren't right. You you were not you said a giant great white not a we're not getting into this just I go with your point about <laughs> what, what I was all I, okay what I was gonna say is um that zombie is tied to like the colonial history like one of the scenes when they realize that the the graves like that that the graves are getting like the dead are raising up is they just find like a four hundred year old conquistador hat somewhere and they're like oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, oh shit yeah. <laughs> So, is it true? Is it better? Fairer skin has been in favor for the past couple of hundreds of years, but now the pendulum is swung back. Black is in fashion. Pardon me, I'm going to take some pictures. He's not going to hell, is he? I'm afraid he is. Chances are, he's likely burning in the flames of hell right now. All of them. And meanwhile, but they have no idea what real people go through. I am admirer of your work. Your great eye. Sorry, this is semi-tangent, but I just had an interesting thought. Um, I don't know, but just like. You know, the, the horror and actually you can say semi-religious themes around the undead, uh, I'm thinking particularly about vampires and zombies and how you can see those um, as sort of, <laughs> like, I, you can see those in some in a lot of contexts. Uh, and of course, you know, zombies have the colonialism thing, but also like bastard, uh, you know, vampires, bastardization of Christian themes, drinking blood, coming mm-hmm. back from the dead, but it's not, you know, it's not God-mandated. Yeah, and there's, it's funny that you mentioned that because they they bring that up in the movie uh, Savage Land, where uh, many of the you know, it's a small it's a small border town of in Texas. Of course, everyone there is Catholic or some form of Christian, right? Yeah, but they bring up that like this is a like a a demonic version of the resurrection. It's something that is the the body is brought back, but it's a it's twisted and it lacks what makes the person a person it's it's like only the id has been brought back yeah yeah and like you know like when you think of lazarus right because you know martha and mary were like lord lord you 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 know there's going to be a stench when you go there because he's been dead for three days and he's starting to decompose and then Hmm. when jesus said lazarus come forth you know he came back and he was totally the way he was normal dude normal dude and then you have like mm. vampires who are like blood-sucking creatures that are usually like pale and you know with the sharp teeth and stuff and then you well, have, of course zombies yeah, who are rotting zombies corpses. are all decomposing yeah yeah well and the the other thing so the classic like like way that like zombies were like horrifying in haitian folklore specifically is it's it's a colo it's it's all around colonialism right yeah right um 
because the whole the whole idea is like there was kind of a folk belief and in, in Vodou that like yeah yeah we're forced to be slaves here in Haiti but like when we die our spirit will leave the body and it will return back to Africa and um what a zombie was was like a witch doctor would bring a a dead body back to life and it would be under the control of the witch and so um, the idea is like, oh, yeah, you're you're getting controlled by someone. So it's like the horror of it is, oh, my God, slavery continues into the afterlife. That's what was like horrifying. Yeah. About it. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I think, though, I think you could kind of have an interesting religious theme to that, too, as well, though, if you want to plug it into that, because, like, you know, in, in death for a lot of, um, you know, like oppressed Christianities, right? Like, like in like black black theology or whatever there's kind of like a you know oh you may like oppress my body but my spirit's fucking free you know god set it free and the zombie is horrifying because it's that subversion of that because it's like well no you're gonna get stuck in your body you're stuck you know and you're remaining oppressed that's like what the horror is and then there's like a whole racial thing like the original zombie movie is white zombie which is about uh an evil uh you know, an evil doctor doing the zombie process of dark black magic to a white woman. So it's like, oh, the horror is what if a what if a white woman was a slave? Oh. It kind yeah. of reminds <laughs> me of the uh, of the the white Indian thing that would be done in to make oh, one yeah. relate to. We can only relate to this if it's a white person. So we have to like transpose traits yeah. that we find yeah. positive. Or we find interesting here. We've got to put a white person in it because it's the only way that we can relate to it. It's brief thing, Josiah. The thing about uh, the sort of hope through relig- like liberation, like mm-hmm. the spiritual liberation through religion. It's funny you bring that up because I think that you can hear that strongly in gospel music. Uh, I oh, think of, yes, yeah. you can. The song that comes to mind is the song uh, Soon and Very Soon, which is like it the, by by. Andre Crouch. It is like the lyrics are soon and very soon. We are going to see the King soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. Uh, no more crying there. No more dying there. We're going to see the King. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. There's this sentiment of that through like through this, there will be like through this, there is liberation. There is the earthly pains and sorrow will be gone. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think I think Black Christianity in general is a lot more unflinching to like, like, like I you know in general they like their uh, their crucifix rather than just a cross, right? You, you know there is an unflinchingness to the suffering because that's what you identify with. Um, even down thinking about Blood of Jesus again, that '40s movie, which I cannot recommend enough. It's amazing. Like, there's this the scene where she's like getting saved while she's in kind of this dream state of the afterlife. She is uh, standing below this like road sign. That's one direction points to hell and one direction points to Zion. And then the, the, the sign turns into the cross with Jesus on it. And she's like passed out below it. And this is like her moment of grace where all of a sudden like this angelic choir shows up around her and starts singing gospel music while literally the blood from the cross is dripping down on her face. So you see her just looking joyously as like drops of blood are like hitting her face. That's like so unflinching in finding hope in like kind of grotesque imagery that I just, I don't think a white 
uh, Christian it, it's something in the 40s that I would have created. <laughs> I, I think that Catholicism is more comfortable with that imagery. Yes. But yes. Yeah, black absolutely. Protestantism is just as comfortable in that. I think the white Protestantism yeah, yeah. is the is even within like Calvinism, I think that something that direct, there's this the, there's this want to avoid it. They could deal with the cosmic side of it, but in terms of like this combination the more of the material cosmic side, yeah. And yeah. material sort of horror. I don't know if that's the right term to use, but it is kind of a horror. Like horror doesn't have to be a bad thing. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree. Um, the other point I was going to make the distinction to bring it back to zombies and um, vampires is that, you know, like, again, who's telling the stories? I think with zombies also, the horror of it is like, um, I think some theorists suggested that zombie stories proliferated as a way to, like, discourage slaves from committing suicide as well. Mm. That was like, like you know, your, your, your body will be enslaved after you die. So, like, there's that theory. I don't know how much I buy it. Like, you know, um, yeah, but uh, I could, I mean, I could see that. But I could see how like it, true, even if it's not true. Yeah, I could you see it I mean? being capitalized yeah. when they hear the theory of when they hear about the zombie. But, um, you know, vampires were like, you know, that's kind of like the, you know, it was the fear of the Orthodox and Catholicism, really. I mean, they were really essentially framed as like um, foreign um, religions and immigrants, you know, um, with the, you know, like Dracula. Dracula is the quintessential immigrant, right? Who's trying to like come over and they have to defeat him with old world superstitions because he doesn't understand technology. Um, mm. You know, the only one before that is what Carmela, Carmela. I forgot what the story is. Yeah, you know, the that, I think it's Carmel, yeah. the lesbian vampire. Yeah, yeah, the the you know fear of bisexuality or lesbians. You know, like right. <laughs> like the, so, but like you know, men, like so. It's it's funny of 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 sapphic. Uh, of like, yeah. It's something that, like, I don't understand this, so thus I am terrified of it. Yeah. I am terrified. I mean, it's it's such a bizarrely amazing story. And, um, you know, um, anyways, so, I mean, like, those stories, I think, are framed as, um, you know, like, um, fear of, like, the vampire attacks white masculinity in a certain way. And whereas the zombie fear is, like, fear of, like, the underclass uprising. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, like, both, like, vampires are always aristocrats. They're always framed as, like, the upper class stomping, you know, there's another yeah. predator, you know, and then the other one's the, the uprising. So I think it's kind of fascinating that those differences are imbued in every kind of trait of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So something, I guess, to tie to tie this all generally is so the, the, to put some, some uh, to synthesize this. Do you Lesbian think zombies, our, sorry. Well, yes. Yes! Hold on. Lesbian zombie. I'm, I'm going to go to lesbian zombies. Oh, no. I, I'm getting lesbian zombies from outer space, which that's an oh, amazing that's, title. Wow. Oh, that's even perfect. That's even more perfect. Amazing. This, this is, is this, you got, no, you got this the erotic thing. horror. You got the zombies. You got the cosmic horror. Oh, yeah, man. The rules. Okay. This is, there's apparently a book that has pretty good reviews, which is Lesbian Zombies from Outer Space. That's dope. Oh, man. I'm going to read it. <laughs> well, I know what I'm getting everyone this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Get it for the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess something to two things uh, because, uh, oh. Uh, hold on, if you guys give me a quick minute. Oh, it's written by a dude. Damn. That's even weirder. Dudes love their lesbian zombies, I gotta say. Yeah, we do. We do. (laughs) (laughs) You got me. (laughs) I'm called out and I'm not even gonna... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Josiah just in his closet has like a shit ton of lesbian zombies. 
media. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the thing. Me <laughs> being like the pr- me being like one of the more prudish ones on this podcast means I have some dark secret, right? And it's specifically lesbian zombies. It's a very specific <laughs> genre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the only thing that does it. Orniest <laughs> <laughs> uh, guy ever voice. I just love lesbian zombie erotica for the plot. <laughs> for the plot, yeah. Yeah. I'm reading it for the deeper themes in the allegorical nature. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Paul Giamatti joins the cast of 30 Coins. Oh, no. Oh, my. Nice. Yes. This is the weirdest news I've ever seen. <laughs> Just like. Very on brand for this, that show. <laughs> Over the yeah. top. Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait to see him in that. Yeah. I like I like Paul Giamatti. He's good. Single American actor. Yeah. He's so one white guy. <laughs> He'll play an American tech and business billionaire, head of a mysterious brotherhood that counts as among the members of the league. Nobody knows oh. his true intentions. Oh. Amazing. Amazing. Will he be speaking My... in English then, I'm, so, I'm assuming? I'm assuming so. Yeah. It's going to be great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Paul Giamatti is uh, great in Cosmopolis, in, in David Cronenberg's Cosmopolis. He's so good in that. It's kind of funny how he is like a really great actor, but like you always forget he's a really great actor until you see yeah, him. Yeah, he's good. And then you're like, you know, yeah. like, if I were to list out like the people I think who were great actors, his name, I would never, I would forget he's like around. Yeah. And then I see him and I'm like, I, yeah. oh wait, he is a great actor. Yeah, but yeah, he probably belongs on it. He's the uh, he's the guy that's trying to assassinate the billionaire in Cosmopolis. It's so good. Oh man, I need to rewatch that movie. He's also the Rhino movie. in Amazing Spider-Man too. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Jackal was apparently going to have the final, a good final statement to wrap I know. us up. I know. Where'd he go? With bated breath. Where'd he go? Jordan Peterson's back on Twitter. I saw that. Oh God. And the Babylon Bee. Yeah. To be fair, I did miss Duncan on the Babylon Bee. So, yeah. <laughs> so they're they're back for that. It's also really funny though. Someone had pointed out that like they're they really weren't banned. They were uh locked until they would delete the tweet that made them get banned and then they would still have access to their Yeah, account. and they, they took like the like, weird brave banned. stance. Yeah, they just didn't ever delete their transphobic tweet. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So them getting back is just like it's like well you could have done that. <laughs> at, it's also funny because they're posting a satirical article. Says, Twitter is dead. Three hundred million people post on Twitter. And Babylon yep. Beach struggling writer struggling to think of a joke worth forty four billion dollars. I'm like, so y'all are just like pro Elon now. <laughs> like sorry, yeah, that's sorry about that. We're back. Let Ooh. that sink. I'm sorry. Let that sink in. Finch, Let that sink. What, what does that mean? I you Let, should feel bad about saying that. Let what? that sink in. Let, Let that, that sink, sink in. in. I'm yes. just reading off the Babylon Bees tweet. To how? The, why would back. you do that? Why would you? I'm, we, I'm trying to understand. You were gone, so we were talking about the fact that these people were back on Twitter. Oh. And they're all oh, pro okay. Musk now. Well, of course, <laughs> because he's the reason why they're there. I'm surprised that there isn't like footage of Jordan Peterson uh, sucking Musk, Musk's micro. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there is footage. I just don't know where it uh, is. 
Jackal, you had a final thought to wrap us up. What was what was that well? Thought? Yeah, I guess like the, our final sort of point to begin the the sort of third part of this of the discussion is two things. One, do you think that horror in like innately is prone to social commentary? Do you think that that's something that just is by the nature of the genre, even if you don't intend to do it, that is <laughs> something that will eke into into those narratives just by happenstance and because I am who I am, and Josiah knows this, I have to bring up the slasher genre because we've talked about a ton of other genres, but there not it is the slasher genre. Yeah. Um. So to answer the first question, I think because it's like about collective societal fear, yes. Um. Like it's kind of unavoidable. Um. But also, um, I don't necessarily think everyone is obviously. I'm not gonna say everyone's doing it deliberately, but like I think there is quasi apolitical horror though still even though you can still fish for commentary and understandings out of it all yeah like what is shocking or horrifying to a society is almost always political yeah or at least like it has some sort of philosophical reading to it um but whether people are like thinking about that when they're making it i don't know i don't think so not even if it's like presented like meaningfully i think it's kind of key yeah yeah because if you think about right. most horror movies, there's something that you can read about them, like read into them. There's yeah. something about there's some kind of political commentary in there that you, whether it's on purpose or not. Like the greatest example that we brought up is Night of the Living Dead. That that was mm-hmm. a complete accident that that happened, and yet yeah. it's considered one of the. Isn't that in? In the Library of Congress now, as the yeah, I think so. Yeah, benchmark movies up there with the Terminator and also Texas Chainsaw Massacre of like movies that have been elevated from being base entertainment to being you know like titans of of film. Yes, yes. Right. George Romero, man, who should have gotten more mainstream work. It's very tragic I that agree. he never got. Uh, I wanted to see his Resident Evil movie. I think that would have been dope. That would have been so cool. Yeah. Uh, second yeah. part is, and also that bleeds into the first question. Does he bleed into the second one? What about slasher movies? Because I can mm. talk about these things for fucking ever. Uh, <laughs> there's a whole odd splice episode where Jackal talks about I mean, slashers. I don't there. listen to it because I didn't have a, a a mic then, so I have a mic now, so you, you can hear me without you know listening. To you, you should listen to it because it's good. But you know, whatever. Keep it. That it's always funny for me. I have like a very conflicted relationship with slasher slasher movies. Some of them I adore, and then some of them I'm just <clears> like, I you know, like like the scream formula, right? So every fifteen like whatever minutes or set, you know, like someone's got to die, basically. And sometimes yeah. it's like, let's see how gratuitous we can get with it. And I'm like, I don't know, like I've just like stopped enjoying that as much. Necessarily. Mm. Um, like I'll still watch a few here and there once in a while, but. Um, you know, like when, like, you know, it's funny, like, some of my friends will go back and watch the original Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th, right? And, like, they're like, oh, my gosh, this is actually, like, an amazing film. I'm like, yeah, it's, like, it's, like, legitimately, like, a work of art. And you, like, mm-hmm. so I think, like, Slasher just gets into kind of a weird space, I think, at some points where everyone's trying to outgore each other, which is something I don't particularly enjoy. Well, mm-hmm. it's interesting to note that the first Slashers are not particularly gory. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Ha- Halloween's pretty bloodless, actually. Yeah. And Halloween's like really interesting to watch because you're also like, how is 
how is someone going to die? Like you have to ask yourself almost like each time. Like that's half the game yeah. almost, right? Or like Candyman yeah, is like the... a very fun one. Oh yeah, yeah. We need to do an episode about Candyman at some point. I whether agree. I have to uh, Shanghai Josh into watching it or uh, do <laughs> commandeer this this podcast to do an episode about Candyman. But that is yeah. a, a incredibly fascinating movie that needs to be talked about more but like the reason i i bring up the the slasher genre is you know twofold one is that i am who i am so and slasher <laughs> movies are like my thing just i could attest to this i have oh, talked yeah. at length about about these movies about the the genre like not just the like the movies of slasher like slasher movies but the the genre of the slasher itself is something i find just so i think it's a uniquely american genre of horror yes yeah 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 very visceral I so. violence i think even yeah. more so post columbine but yeah i oh, think so like, absolutely mm, oh definitely yeah, yeah. like it's funny that's like like again texas chainsaw massacre is probably like it's just such an incredible classic at this point but it's also like i don't you know it's just so different when you watch it then versus now and just how america looks at serial killers and murder in general i think is like kind of mm-hmm. weirdly unique in that sense yeah absolutely and i think that's why we kind of make a, more movies about this kind of diverges from the slasher thing but we make yeah. more movies about true crime than any other which is like it's not that there isn't true crime happening around the world but we really like making movies about our serial killers yeah 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 there's exceptions to that but i mean in general yeah it's it's very much an american thing i'm thinking of um uh memories of murder the bong joon ho korean one so there, like there's some exceptions but on well, the maybe whole, that's yeah, like american, american influence a lot of times like some of those films that's are just in commentary and dialogue with america well yeah and a lot of the giallos are set in in america or like they're an american comes to rome you know yeah i remember there's a i, I bring up this author a lot because i think that he's one of my favorite living authors right now is stephen graham jones mm. i love his but works. it's so have you uh have you read um uh, what the most recent one that he did is My Heart oh, is a Chainsaw. Oh, I haven't read that one. I read the last one, um, Indian one. So good. It's such a good book. Yeah. Um, and like his work is kind of, he always seems to bring up the slasher genre at like some, even something that's very unrelated to it, it finds a way of eking into it. Yeah. 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 But he brings up that there's something that, like, why do people, like, what is it about slashers that, makes people like that they find appealing and he said something which i've I've never been able to let go of about the slasher genre is the idea that consequences have to you know it's the fuck around and find out thing that no matter what anyone does there is going to be consequences to it and living in a world where more people are aware that people in power can just kind of do shit and never face uh repercussions of it that the idea that there is this cosmic sense of balance that if you do something, no matter how small, there must be a reaction to set it, uh, to set the wound back in place. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even if what that wound is, is like being an annoying suburban teenager, you know, <laughs> like, like yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter know. how fucking minor or innocuous it is to, yeah. it could be something of like, you are an annoying suburban teenager or, in the case of like Candyman, where there is the systemic culpability of of violence against black people, there yeah. any anything that you do, there is something has to something's going to happen from it. 
there are consequences to every action. Yeah, there was um that uh I, it's it's not as much this way by the end result, but if I remember correctly, the original script that Ari Aster used to make Midsummer was a bit more of a slasher, and it was supposed I, I to wish... be like a. Yeah, I kind of wish it was that way. Although I do really like Midsummer still, but it's like um it was supposed to be uh, a bad bad anthropologists. That was kind of the the crime. And some of the residue of that still remains. Like, you know, the guy who like pisses on the ancient sacred tree. Right. Um, yeah. And like they break into like, they, you know, they, they break into like look at stuff that they that they've explicitly been told is like sacred and they're not supposed to look at and stuff like that. So it's supposed to be like a building up to a bunch of anthropologists getting murdered because, you know, they're doing bad anthropology. <laughs> right. But then uh, Ari Aster went through a breakup and had to insert all the uh, girl boss stuff in there. Amazing. <laughs> there's like there's something there, there's something about like there has to be a cosmic balance to it that I think I think he's right that people are interested in this because of the idea that they're the universe is going to bring about this thing that will come and set it through some set perspective, right. some like set it right. That how dare you? And it could be something like I think that Friday the Thirteenth is very reactionary in its in its politics because it's about teenagers going out in the woods and getting high and and having premarital sex. Of the idea, if you do that, there's gonna there's gonna be this this consequence of uh, of big dude in a uh, in a hockey mask and a machete is gonna come and kill you. Yeah, yeah. It's also funny because it plays out like a morality play, which makes it it does. More fun in some ways, too, because it's not actually like a moral story, but it like has fun with that idea. Yeah, it's it's very funny how the move like those movies, Friday the 13th in particular, take those a lot of the people that hated those movies, the the moral majority, quote unquote, uh, taking their worldview and just kind of spoofing it. Yeah, yeah, because that is what it is. I mean, it's like Jason right. doesn't give a shit, though, is the thing. But yeah, right. That That's. Yeah there's all it's all very very interesting i think that regardless of the genre of of horror i think that we all generally agree that no matter the intent there's something there's something about it that's going to speak more than just the text yeah i got you yeah all right shall we it's uh, almost 2 30 eastern standard time so let's let's wrap this shit up bro yeah all righty well thank you all for listening it's been a very interesting uh, horror discussion. Uh, I'm uh, I'm Finch. You can follow me at Finchawar on Twitter.com, and I am joined here by Jackal. Now, I have heard that you can follow Jackal at Twitter.com. I've also heard that the Mammoth Bird Discord is also a very good place to come see him, considering that my very, my very good friend Elon Musk seems to be seems to be fond asleep in the wheel of Twitter.com. Some things have become your avatar, but I hear that you could use it. Thank you. Thank you, Jackal. You could go to Twitter. You could go to Twitter.com. No, no, you can't both be Doctor Carson. (laughs) No, you cannot be. You cannot both be Doctor Carson. Josiah, go. Discord. (laughs) You sound like Teddy Perkins.
yeah, you can follow me at Josiah W. Sutton on Twitter.com. And uh, as as my, my compatriot here, Ben Carson, has said, the Mammonberg Discord uh, is, a, is also good, and you should join it. Uh, we have a pinned tweet on our... Fred Josiah. Absolutely. And we are joined here today... By the legendary Sergio. Yep. You can find me, well, Twitter last at the Phantomas, and I'll be there for the time being. Oh, yeah. Sergio, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, man. This is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All righty. Well, that's the end of Get- the episode. Get your ass out of here. Leave. Bye. <laughs> One issue same sex marriage. You have equal protection. It's working its way through the courts. The decisions are getting more and more uniform. But then you have people of faith who say marriage is ours. God says it is a man and a woman. The Bible says, my faith says, which one wins with Dr. Carson? Here's what I would do. I would do what the Constitution says. The Constitution says civil issues of that nature should be determined at the state level. Why does it say that? Because the judicial system at the state level has to answer to the people. What if people of a state vote for a law 100 to 0 that winds up infringing on the rights of a minority, like happened very often with slavery, like many would argue is happening now with people who are gay? And our Constitution was followed, and we corrected those things. And isn't that what's happening right now with same-sex marriage? It's being corrected as a form of violation of equal protection. No, you can't just say because it happened that way this time, this is the same situation. It's not the same situation. Because people have no control over their race, for instance. You think they have control over their sexuality? Absolutely. You think being gay is a choice? Absolutely. Why do you say that? Because a lot of people who go into prison going to prison straight and when they come out they're gay so did something happen while they were in there ask Most yourself that question never go to prison well, you know there's a whole theory of I dominance said, wait a minute. i said a lot of people who go in come out are you denying that that's true i am no, not denying not. that that's true but i am okay, denying that that's as a basis if, of understanding fact, homosexuality if in fact that is the case then it obviously thwarts what you just said a lot of people go into jail as a drug addict and they come out as a criminal. But Does that mean that all drug addicts are Here's criminals? what's important. Why do gay people want to get married? Because they want to have various rights. No, they want Property rights, That's right. visitation rights. They want their commitment to count just like why, mine and my wife's. Why can't any two human beings, I don't care what their sexual orientation is, why can't they have the legal right to do those things? That's what they're fighting for. Okay, that does not require changing the definition of marriage. But it would require covering that union as you do others, which is called union, which is called marriage in our society. I don't think so. Ken's gone, gone preacher. We were on a gravel road, and he went over a hill, and he lost control. Preacher, he's dead. He's not going to hell, is he? I'm afraid he is. Chances are he's likely burning in the flames of hell right now. Oh.